Counting the cost, let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning, my friends. It's Friday, and uh, we're moving on today in Luke chapter 14. We're going to be in verses 25 through 35. And in this passage, Jesus teaches on the cost of being his disciple. Um, Coming to saving faith, coming to the recognition uh, of our sinfulness, uh, that we are sinners in need of a Savior, that we are in need of God's mercy and grace, that cost Jesus everything uh, for that message to get to us, for that reality to be true. It cost him his life. And once we come to that place where we recognize our need for grace, we profess faith in him and we receive the grace and mercy of the cross, um, we are given the salvation of God made available to us in Christ. We become one of the redeemed, the restored. Uh, We become a member of the family of God. From that point on, then, um, we are called by our Savior to count the cost of being his disciple, of being his follower. Uh, A favorite author of mine uh, many years ago wrote a book, and in it, this author, Dallas Willard, said that being a disciple of Jesus is to be an apprentice of Jesus. Now, back in the day, apprentices uh, followed around masters in some trade, and they learned the trade directly from the master. They watched the master do it. They talked with the master as he was doing it. He talked them through the different nuances of the work, whether it was plumbing or uh, sculpting or working on cars or farming or whatever it was. Um, Young people would apprentice someone uh, to learn a trade, and they would learn from someone who had mastered the trade how to do the trade, and then they would have the capacity to do it and then eventually pass that on to someone else. Now, we don't do that uh, as much these days, uh, the whole apprenticeship thing, but being a disciple is effectively being an apprentice of Jesus. Jesus teaching us how he would live our lives if for us if he could live them. Now, he lives in us, <laughs> and so we have the internal guide, the Holy Spirit, giving us leadership, directing us to stay on the path that God would have us on keeping our feet firmly planted on the path of righteousness in Christ. Um, And when we wander, he helps direct our feet back to the path that we should be on. Um, And so he internally leads and guides us so that we might continue on in our commitment to Jesus. Uh, But Jesus teaches here about counting the cost. And he says, "You've, you've now received my salvation. You've professed faith in me. Now you must count the cost of what it means to live for me and to follow me. Uh, If we think that coming to saving faith is the sole goal of the Christian journey, we sell Jesus and we sell ourselves short. Um, The real call uh, after our conversion to Christ, uh, after saving faith has been born in us, is to become his follower, to become like him in the world. And that's what Jesus teaches about here. So let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithfulness this week. We thank you, Lord God, that you are uh, always with us to lead and guide us. 
And Father, today as we consider these words of your teaching, we pray, Lord, that you would help us count the cost and you would reveal to us places where we are lagging behind as your disciple, places where we're missing opportunities to serve you and love others toward the kingdom. Awaken us, Lord God, to your words today and to the sound of your voice. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is Luke fourteen twenty-five through 35. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, let's begin with the last thing that Jesus says. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You have now heard these words. And Jesus' appeal to you is that your ears, physically and spiritually, would be open to these words. And he says that we should have an active witness. In verse 34, he says, Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's like salt that gets wet and then dries out kind of doesn't have the same zeal and zest as salt straight from the shaker. And he's saying that disciples um, who aren't salty, disciples who are not flavoring the world with the message of the kingdom, the message of God's grace and mercy at the cross, uh, have lost their saltiness. And they're not really fit for the soil to be put on the soil or for the manure pile. There, It's thrown out. That's a worthless disciple, a disciple that is no longer... Uh, living as one who uh, carries uh, with them uh, the mission and message of the cross. And so he's challenging us there to see that we have work to do, and our work is to flavor the world with the message of the kingdom. And then he gives us two little vignettes uh, about counting the cost. And in the second vignette, he supposes there is a king who's planning to go to war against this nation that's coming against him, who's got an army of 20,000, and he assesses whether or not his army of 10,000 can defeat them and determines if he can't, he'll send a delegation out and ask for peace before the, uh, the nation coming his way gets there to engage in battle. Um, he's uh, being a good general. Uh, he's counting the cost, and he's doing what's best Uh, for the people that he serves. And uh, Jesus says in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. Um, To go to war against an army of 20,000 with an army of 10,000, you better be 100% certain that you've got this in the bag because you're going to be giving up everything to go to war against that larger army. And Jesus is saying, uh, disciples should count the cost. Um, If you're not willing to give up everything to follow him, 
And that doesn't necessarily mean Jesus is going to ask you to sell your home and give up your cars and live uh, the life of a monk somewhere in the desert. But it means that he is asking you to have a heart that's ready to go where he asks you to go and where he longs to send you so that you might be willing to drop everything that you're doing to serve him in the world. And it's the attitude of heart that there's a willingness to give up everything for Jesus, uh, to give up our reputation, to give up our notion of success, to give up what we uh, envisioned our lives being and becoming for the sake of the kingdom. He says, if you're not uh, ready to give up everything, you can't be my disciples. Not because I won't let you, but because your hearts won't let you have the requisite commitment to be my disciple. You're going to hold yourself back. It's not me holding you back. And then he talks about another uh, an example of counting the cost, a builder who begins to build, who sits down to estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it. He doesn't want to get it started and not finish and have everyone ridicule him for starting something he wasn't able to finish. Um, and so Jesus is saying some people start out really strong and they're building like a crazy person. And they're passionate about being a disciple and then their passion wanes and wavers and they fall away and they don't finish building. And so he says that person didn't really count the cost of what what it means to be my disciple, what it means to follow me. And then in the very opening, he talks about hatred. It's not it's not hatred in an angry sense. It's not angry hatred. This is not the hatred of malice and the hatred of others because you have a hateful heart. This is not hatefulness. This is hating one's own life um, in, in, in the sense of priorities. That if you can't prioritize following Jesus above all these other commitments, if you can't prioritize following Jesus ahead of being a father and a and a and a husband, um, a brother, um, then you are not ready to be his disciple. He's saying that your priority must be being his disciple. And when our priority is being his disciple, then all of these other important commitments fall into place rightly because we will be seeking first the kingdom. And Jesus says, if you seek first the kingdom, then all these other things, these other concerns of life will be added unto you. Um, there was an old illustration I saw a pastor use one time that had uh, a bunch of golf balls, a container uh, that was transparent, and some rocks and some sand. And when he filled the container with sand and then tried to put the golf balls and the rocks in, he it was overflowing. He couldn't get everything in. But when he started with golf balls and then blended in the pea gravel And then he put the sand in. Guess what? Everything fit into the container. And the point that he was making was the golf balls represent our big priorities, the big priority, being a disciple. And then the rocks, the pea gravel represents some of our other major commitments. And then the sand represents all the other stuff that we want to do in life that doesn't matter all that much. And when we prioritize the big thing, that's Jesus, uh, all the other stuff uh, tends to fit in too, as long as we keep our commitment, our strong commitment focused on Jesus. And that's the call that Jesus issues here today in this teaching. He's saying, the cost of following me is really a high one, and you better evaluate it before you set out on this commitment. 
I wonder, my friends, if we've taken some time to evaluate our commitment to Jesus recently. Um, and where's your discipleship? Is it in uh, full on, uh, full capacity, Mach 3 mode? Is it in uh, teapot on the, <laughs> on the burner? It's warming up, but it's not quite uh, to the boiling point yet. Uh, or is it uh, like uh, uh, cold lunch meat in your refrigerator? It's there, but it's not doing much good. Uh, it's, it's in a container, um, and it's, uh, it's kind of grown cold. Uh, I, I'm always looking to take a deep, hard look at my discipleship life and asking Jesus if there are any places where I'm dropping the ball and being his follower, where I'm not apprenticing him well. And I would challenge us all to do the same. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening and studying together today. May God bless you as you continue, continue to consider these words. Take care.